Good evening and welcome to the NFL Draft. Tonight, we officially welcome the next generation of players. So if you're ready, are you ready? Let's get it started. The NFL Draft is officially open. Welcome inside the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. I am Trevor Sycamore. With me is Benjamin Solak. It is day four of our guest mock draft series. We have had a handful of picks, very impactful picks, some surprising picks already off the board up until this point. If you guys missed the earlier episodes, I can recap it real quick for you. Number one overall with the Jacksonville Jaguars, our guest pick Trevor Lawrence. There was no shock there. Same thing at number two with the New York Jets. It was Zach Wilson. San Francisco 49ers, though, they went Justin Fields at number three. Atlanta Falcons stayed put and got Trey Lance at number four. Cincinnati Bengals got Jamar Chase at number five. No Penny Sewell. And then at number six for the Miami Dolphins, Kyle Krabs selected Kyle Pitts. Ben, any big surprises so far? I feel like the Atlanta one is probably the biggest one, but anything outside of that Atlanta pick? I'm just glad all of these cowards have stopped drafting quarterbacks, start drafting real football players. Got to put 22 guys on the field. Got to contribute. I think it's pretty chalky. I think so. I wasn't too surprised by the Atlanta pick. I just, I I don't know if Atlanta's going to do it. Of course, like, this isn't a predictive mock. This is, we are having our guests on to make the pick that they believe would be the best for the franchise, which I think makes for the most entertaining mock. And it gives way to us learning the most about the team from their perspective as they cover them closely. So I like the way we have it set up. I just don't know if they're going to pick quarterback. So the Trey Lance one, even more than Jamar Chase one, I think is the big surprise to me. I'm, I'm, I'm fine with that. I like, we talked about Chase and, and Sewell and everything. And like we talked about at the end of the day, it's a good pick. Uh, I, to me, this is, this is, if I were to write a first round mock right now, this is pretty close to how I'd have it. All right. Okay. All right. Well, I think we're going to have some more real football players come off the board in this episode. So that brings us to number seven overall. We have the Detroit Lions to help us understand what they might be doing, their new quarterback situation, their new head coach situation, and a lot that could happen at number seven overall. We have our good friend Jeff Risden from the Lions Wire, as well as the very SEO-friendly named Detroit Lions podcast. I must give a shout-out to him there. Jeff, thank you so much for joining us, man. Guys, my pleasure to be with you. Thanks for having me in, and hopefully number seven is a lucky one for my Lions. Ah, there it is. A little bit of a luck there at number seven. So, Jeff, you do so much great work covering... Oh my gosh, that feels like so many teams. The Browns, the Lions. I know you were covering the Texans a little bit at the time. You also do plenty of NFL draft general and NFL draft work for Real GM. So you know the landscape of the league pretty well, but I feel like you specifically have a soft spot in your heart for the Lions. And with that, I'll ask you a bit of what could be an emotional tugging question. Of course, it has to do with the quarterback. The Lions moved on from their longtime franchise quarterback, Matthew Stafford, this offseason. And I would love to just get your thoughts on the move overall. You know, moving on from Stafford itself. Picking up Jared Goff, but also two first-round picks. You know, they also talked about trading with Carolina for number eight. What were your thoughts for when this trade went down, everything surrounding Stafford, and then where the Lions sit now after that blockbuster trade? Yeah, so uh, Stafford, the time had come where it was time to go. Uh, the old regime ended 
it's time for a fresh start. Stafford had been there for 11 seasons, um, played, played very well, but uh, it, it just wasn't, it just wasn't meant to be. He's a good quarterback. I wish him well in, in Los Angeles. I think most Lions fans feel the same way. He was a, an underappreciated quarterback in his time, but uh, they were never able to build a winner around him. And it was, it was time. So uh, I understand why they did it. Um, it was a little bit surprising that he wound up going to Los Angeles um, and specifically with, with golf coming back. Um, I didn't think that they could possibly get that deal done with, with the way that the Jared Goff's contract was structured, but uh, Los Angeles really, really wanted Stafford and they really, really didn't want golf anymore. <laughs> yeah. And those two hands came together very nicely. And uh, the Rams for all intents and purposes threw in an extra first round pick to make that work. Uh, the, the 2023 first round pick they got, First rounders in 2022 and 2023, as well as a third rounder this year um, for the right to take on Goff's contract and to get rid of Stafford. And, uh, you know, I'm not the biggest Goff fan in the world. He's going to be the starting quarterback in 2021, at least, mm -hmm. though. And they're going to try to make that work. The man who drafted him there is Brad Holmes. He was the director of collegiate scouting for the Rams. He is now the Lions general manager. There's a big attachment there. Ah. While he, while he hasn't necessarily come out and said that, that you know, Goff is the quarterback for the future, it's pretty obvious that he is a Goff believer and and coveted Goff, not, not just wanted him, he coveted him, um, and they're going to try to make it work. So uh, that's that's kind of where they're at with the quarterback situation. Um, and uh, it, Is it the best trade that they probably could have gotten? Yeah, probably. I, I think getting the future assets – remember, this is a team – there's so many holes on this roster uh, and, and we're going to go over those, but uh, the ability to get the, the extra first round picks, they have five first round picks in the next three years. Now oh, they yeah. need all five of them and they need to hit on them. And I think maximizing the return for Stafford was, was important. And I think they did a very good job at doing that. The Brad Holmes, Jared Goff dedication thing is interesting. It's, it's, it's because... inspiring really. Right. It is inspiring, but also it's a very good way to tell the rest of the league, oh, we're not going to take a quarterback at seven. We have Jared Goff. Brad Holmes drafted Jared Goff. We love Jared Goff. And of course, Brad Holmes had the uh, availability. I think it was the, the Huddle and Flow podcast he was on where they asked him, they were like, so quarterback? And he was like, oh, yeah, yeah, we're going to look at quarterback. And that obviously, you know, the Lions are clearly still in play. And you've seen mentions that maybe they're more quarterback interested at seven than things seem and they have jared goff so they're in a nice spot to play coy with this pick especially when it comes to interesting quarterbacks so i'm curious uh, i i can't promise to you how the board's going to fall i know that the board fell this way in our mock where only mac jones is left but let's say it's two quarterbacks that are available there at seven how legitimate do you think the chance is that the Lions really do take a quarterback? You're going to put a percentage on it you know if it's this certain guy whatever it is yeah they feel very dark horsey so what do you think yeah, I, I think it has to be the right quarterback. I, I don't think they're in the, the Lawrence or Wilson business, but I, I do think that if, if Justin Fields, but especially Trey Lance, because Lance is the kind of guy, he needs a redshirt year or at least half a year. And the Lions have Goff in place, so they can give him that. Um, and, the, you know, Goff could be theoretically in place for two full years if, if Lance happens to need that long. So I, And, and he's, he fits the prototype of, of what, Coach Dan Campbell and, and offensive coordinator uh, Anthony Lynn, the, the former Chargers coach, kind of what they what they seem to be looking for, at least what we guess they seem to be looking for. I should probably carp that on that. But, yeah, I, I think in those situations, if Fields is there or if Lance is there, I think they're going to strongly consider it. Will they pull the trigger? I don't, I don't know. I, I think it's 
I think it's probably more likely that they would than they wouldn't, but uh, you know, no, that it, right. Cause really I feel say. like the, the tricky thing is you, you make that signing, but you don't, or you make that pick, but you don't feel like the team is ready to maximize the rookie, the rookie contract. And you're also paying Goff, which kind of nullifies the advantage of a rookie contract. Yeah. So it is hard. Like all the benefits are kind of lost. You really have to like the single guy for what he is. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think it would have to be a very specific situation. Uh, and I would like to think that they would like fields there, but uh, I don't know that. And I don't think anybody really knows that. You know, they, they have been to the pro days. So they've, they've been very diligent in traveling around and hitting them all. Um, and, and like you said, you know, Holmes did has come out a couple of different times and said, oh, yeah, quarterback's definitely in play. If When you have a top 10 pick, it's a pretty good sign that you need a quarterback. Um, and, and by and large, that's that's true. Uh, so and and if golf isn't it, they got to get it. And and you guys know this: you cannot win without having your quarterback in the right, NFL. Right. And it, they 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 can't eschew the chance to get the guy if they think it's the guy just because they happen to have Jared Goff. But uh, I I would I would speculate that it's it's unlikely to happen this year. I, th- I think it's much more likely to happen next year that they use the, some combination of their first round picks to get their quarterback then. I'll stay on offense, but I'll go outside of the quarterback position for this one. It seems like they're uh, pretty stacked at running back, or at least they have the names that they would want there. They've got Jamal Williams. They have DeAndre Swift. They still have on Johnson. Tight end, obviously, they spent a high pick on TJ Hawkinson, so they're hoping that he could be the main guy there. Offensive line is, is something that we could touch on because I think there are a couple of holes they need to address, but specifically, I want to talk about pass catchers, and I want to talk about the wide receiver group because... They've got Tyro Williams, Rashad Perryman, Khalif Raymond. And like it, going into the offseason, that was the big talk with the Detroit Lions as well. They only have one wide receiver under contract, and it was Quintez Siva. So we didn't That's know correct. what this wide receiver room was going to look like post free agency. Now that you see it, Kenny Galladay is gone. Tell me what type of wide receiver would really help this Detroit Lions team if they were to take one early in this draft? They they just need an alpha dog, man. It, it doesn't matter what what size or shape you get it in. They need a number one receiver. They need a number two and a number three, too. Um, uh, may, maybe Tyrell Williams fills that role of the number three outside receiver. Um, I'm hopeful that he will, but the, the rest of it, I mean... This is this is not a good receiving core. Um, even if they add a, a premium talent, they still have needs at that spot. And it wouldn't surprise me at all if they they draft multiple wide receivers in this draft. Yeah, they, they just need somebody who can reliably. So one of the things that Dan Campbell said in one of his recent press conferences, and he and he's he's brilliant at at making it fun. Um, was he said he wants guys who can get freaking open. Uh, if, that, if that's his priority. That is that a scouting? To... Is that a scouting term? I think it's a scouting term, Ben. Mm-hmm. I, get, I think we all need you, you only learn that when you work with Sean Payton for five years. That's what, <laughs> that's what the Saints background is. You want guys to get open. Yeah. Without getting into specifics on it, that's what he wants. <laughs> um, so, so a guy who has speed and can get open quickly. I, th- I think you've seen with Jared Goff when he was at his peak in Los Angeles, he had guys that could get open right off the bat and present a, present themselves as targets for him quickly. And if, if golf is going to work and they're going to try to make golf work, they need a guy like that. A guy who has burst off the line quickness um, can avoid the jam a little bit, can, can run a, a, a quick drag across the middle, um, can run a, a simple seven yard hook, things like that. Uh, but also threaten to take the, take it over the top. They, they've added a lot of speed with guys like Tyrell Williams, Brashad Perriman, Khalif Raymond's a pretty fast guy for being in the slot. 
Um, Quintez Cephas, obviously not fast. Um, he, he's slower than most tight ends, but he, he, he strangely did a fairly decent job of getting open last year, despite that. So I, I think they're looking for, you know, the, the true alpha number one wide receiver, whether it's an X or a Z, I don't think matters at this point. I feel like over the, the Matt Patricia era, we talked a lot about how this like defense was built in the image of the Patriots, right? It was Patriots cosplay. And now Patricia is gone. Uh, new GM as well. So he's gone. Uh, Aaron Glenn's the new DC, you know, new general manager as well. So it's not stuck in this Patriots way, but now you have this, I think a little bit fractured death chart, which has big money guys like Trey flowers and Jamie Collins, right? Which drafted Jelani Tavai. And it's not super clear and, and, and ideal in terms of how this is going to translate. So I'm curious, who are your cornerstones, right? Who are the guys that you're, you're going to build around? Do we think Aaron Glenn's going to bring a fully New Orleans Saints approach, right? Be able to play a lot of two-man, play a lot of four down, or is it going to be he's going to work with what he's got? And what then is the biggest need for this entire defensive unit? They, they, they put the money on Romeo Aquara. They've lost some linebackers. Afraid to see Jeff Akuda was the big pick last year, but he didn't play well. So where do you see the big need for them on defense? How does this whole unit get structured out? Yeah, I, I think the building blocks, you, you touched on all of them. I, I, I think uh, Trey Flowers and Romeo Aquara are both being paid to be really good defensive linemen. And, and they both are good defensive linemen, but neither of them is really an impact talent. <clears throat> excuse me, they're, they're, they're really good football players, but they're not guys who generate a lot of buzz or hype. They're just really, really solid at what they do. Aquara coming off the, the 10 sack season was a bit of a, a pleasant surprise in that. And I'm not sure that he can replicate it again, but he's, he's certainly a worthy starter. Uh, I think Collins, I've covered Jamie Collins a lot. Um, even, even going back to when he was at Southern Mississippi, I, I, I want to, watching an odd amount of that, that that team where he was a 242 pound nose tackle. Um, he, he's an athletic freak. And I, I think that gets a little bit lost because he didn't necessarily play like that, but he is certainly the best linebacker. And I, I'm hopeful that he will be unshackled, but also unshackle himself. If that makes any sense. I think he plays a little bit too reserved at times. And I would like to see him go out and be the guy was a dynamic playmaker and an instigator that he was for a brief time in Cleveland and that he was in New England. Um, that guy's still there. And we saw mm-hmm. it very, we saw very, very faint glimpses of it last year um, before Matt Patricia just sucked all the life out of everything in the team. Uh, and he, he, he's worth it. Uh, Okuda, there's a lot riding on him living up to being the number three overall pick last year. He was poorly coached. He was hurt. He had, he dealt with a sports hernia all season. He had surgery after the year. I expect him to be significantly better. I like Amani Orowarie on the outside. On the other side, they did just sign Quentin Dunbar as well. I, I think they're okay at cornerback, but man, the safety group. Oh, oh my God, guys. So they just signed Dean Marlowe this morning. Dean Marlowe is easily the number two safety on the depth chart. Right now. <laughs> oh, boy. And th- this is a guy who was like the number four, number five guy in Carolina. And, oh, boy. And Buffalo. I mean, he, he, he's a solid special teams player. He's a capable number four safety right now he is number two with a bullet uh tracy walker who i personally like um is the number one tracy walker was rotten last year and i say that as one of his biggest fans i I was pimping him hard last summer like this guy's a breakout star we gotta lock him up and then he went out and he was he was he was legitimately terrible Um, and i say that again as his biggest fan 
then they got Will Harris, um, who won, won, won I, I love this quote, uh, an opposing scout told me um, after a, a pro day, I wonder if he's ever watched a football game get played before. Jeez. Um, it, it, it's that noticeable how, how raw he is. And this is after two seasons in the NFL, mind you. Um, and then they got C.J. Moore, who is sort of Dean Marlowe, except he doesn't actually play on defense. He just does special teams. That, that's their safety room right now. So that's a massive, massive, massive need. Um, it, it, it's not even an expansion level safety room. So they've got to get help there. At linebacker, they, they did sign Alec An- Alex Anzalone. And, and he and Collins could be a capable one-two punch at starter. Um, after that, they have Jalen Reeves-Maben and Jelani Tavai. I don't think anybody's really excited about that. So it wouldn't wouldn't kill them to add somebody there. If they can rush the passer, that's even better. Uh, they do have Julian Okwara from last year, a third rounder who was hurt almost the entire season after he was hurt almost the entire season before that at Notre Dame. They're relying on him to be sort of the, the stand-up role. Um, in, the, uh, in the Saints defense, it was, it was Trey Hendrickson last year. They're asking him to be mm-hmm. that guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, he'll get a shot at that, but it wouldn't kill them to add somebody else in that role. Um, but other than that, I mean, no tackle, they're, they're fine. John Penasini was really good as a rookie. Um, Love John. Yeah, he played. He played pretty well. Um, don't believe the PFF grades on that. He was much better than than advertised on that. They're okay on the defensive line. It wouldn't kill them to add somebody in there. Uh, they do have Jay Sean Cornell coming back. Uh, he was a seventh round pick last year. Got tore his Achilles on on the first practice. Um, doesn't that happen a lot? That's a weird. That's phenomenon. awful. I I yeah. always hate that. Like first play, first game, first drive. It just seems yeah. like every year somebody has an injury there, and I just feel awful for him. Yeah, I do too. So he's got a shot to come back and he theoretically fits what they want as, as sort of the, the backup to Trey Flowers. So they're okay there. But yeah, um, safety is a, a massive imperative. They could use another slot corner. They could use a, another off-ball linebacker and an edge. But uh, again, if you're looking at, 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 the, at the biggest need, it, it's, it's safety and it's, it's not even close. All right, so let's put you on the clock here. You're up at number seven overall. The board... Trevor Lawrence going number one, Zach Wilson two, Justin Fields three, Trey Lance four, Jamar Chase five, Kyle Pitts six. So now you're on the clock. Who are you picking for the Detroit Lions with the board like this in our guest mock draft? I am taking Jalen Waddle. Alabama. There's the alpha. Ah, um, yeah, exactly. This guy has speed to burn. But he doesn't just win with speed. This is a guy, he can set routes up. He can stack the cornerback if he wants to. His releases are clean. But what I really like, I loved Golden Tate when he was in Detroit because he was a guy that could catch a simple swing pass and make magic happen. And if you've ever watched Jalen Waddle run back a punt or catch a swing pass or a screen, it's, it's electrifying. It's exciting. The Lions absolutely need that. Um the, he, he, he's almost a no-brainer pick for me here at this point. Uh, he is my number six overall player, so getting him at number seven is, is a great value for me. So I, I really like it. I, I wouldn't necessarily sprint to the podium with the Jalen Waddle card, but I'm I'm probably not listening to many phone calls for the pick at this point. Well, a Jalen Waddle knows how to get freaking open. I mean, I know that that's yes, that, that's going to be able to fit it right there. Ben, what do you think about Waddle going going seven to the to the Lions? I think all those uh, mesh routes and slants are going to make Jared Goff look a lot better than he is. We might fall into the same trap we fell into a couple years ago with this guy. (laughs) No, Uh, right. 
a receiver who can produce after the catch and can stretch the field is not only just valuable when you have like a middling quarterback, but even if you improve a quarterback in the future, guy's still going to matter. So absolutely, you're building the offense. You need the uh, the wide receiver one, as Jeff brought up. You get a good chance to get him with Waddle. He is Jeff Risden. Follow him on Twitter at Jeff Risden. Simple enough. Follow all the great work that he does covering the Detroit Lions as as well as well as the NFL draft. Jeff is a big uh, big NFL draft guy. He was one of the first guys that I got to know when I got in the business, and so. Uh, love being able to pick his brain on all things Lions and draft. And so this guest mock draft was a perfect marriage of both of those things. Jeff, thank you so much for joining us, man. My pleasure, guys. I hope we can do this in person sometime soon. Yeah, that would be nice, wouldn't it? Wouldn't it? Hopefully next year, the Senior Bowl or Combine, we'll be able to do something like that. Book it. Seven picks down. We got the Carolina Panthers coming up right after the break. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Football might be over, but NBA, NHL, MLB, they're all in full swing. Bet online even covers the award shows, the TV shows, reality TV, whatever you want to put some money on the line for, Bet Online's got you. Head over to their website or use their mobile device today. Sign up, get a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit using the promo code LOCKED ON. Bet online, your online sports book experts. Get all the sports news that you need in just under 20 minutes with the Locked On Today podcast. Host Peter Bukowski updates you on the latest news in every major sport with the help of our local experts. Follow the Locked On Today podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, we are up to number eight, Carolina Panthers, where, man, their draft outlook was a lot different. And it was, I'll just say, last week. I think things have drastically changed. We're going to look at everything that's going on there with their new assumed quarterback, as well as everything that's going on outside of quarterback on offense and then on the defensive side of the football as well. To help us do that, we have Steven Ruiz, who is the lead NFL writer for For the Win, which that in and of itself would have been enough to have him on because Steven's work is incredible. But now I also realize late in the game that he follows the Panthers very closely. He's a Panthers fan. So, Steven, thank you so much for joining us, man. Thanks for having me on. I'm, I appreciate you guys bringing me on at the lowest point of my Panthers fandom. Just, it's, just, to, just to capitalize on my trauma. Wait, was, this this can't be this can't be lower than moving on from Cam Newton last year and then just having Teddy Bridgewater, right? That's true. But it's been two years and like it's it's just been progressive. Just these moves in a row have really broken me as a Panthers fan. I was thinking, I was like, we should have Steven on for the Panthers. And then they traded for Darnold. And then you went off on Darnold. I was like, All right, we're definitely having Steven on for the Panthers. So this is, uh, you know, this your uh, explosive reaction brought you here. That's what we want. I need to break down mentally on Twitter more often so I can get more podcast appearances. Yeah, I feel That's like what I'm taking away from I feel <laughs> <laughs> That's very true. Venting on Twitter, it helps you get appearances. So, I mean, we got we to gotta start there. Talking about Sam Darnold. Panthers, you know, it, it looked like for a long time, we just kept telling ourselves, hey, they made a very aggressive offer for Matthew Stafford, which involved number eight overall to try to go get a quarterback. They were clearly in on the Deshaun market as well before that market evaporated. We thought that they were going to potentially trade up to number three overall. The Niners... It looked like beat them to the punch. They weren't going to get up to four because the Falcons are holding the four pick. And so it's like, oh man, what are the what are the Carolina Panthers going to do? And it's kind of come out since the Darnold trade that they weren't really in on this quarterback class outside of Trevor Lawrence and Zach Wilson. So now they're sitting here with Sam Darnold. I'd love to hear your thoughts. I think this move happened because it seems to me, at least from the outside looking in, that the owner, David Tepper, is not as patient as he claimed to be when he first took over the team 
And we've seen that the last two off seasons with these stopgap quarterbacks. First, it was Teddy Bridgewater, which I think had a lot of Panthers fans scratching their heads. Like why give Teddy Bridgewater $33 million when it's very clear that this team needs a reset. And we presume that the reason they brought in Matt rule was to tear everything down and build up this, this program. And that still really hasn't happened. I can't say as a Panthers fan that I know who the quarterback will be in two years. I can't even say what this team is going to look like in two years. If Matt rule is still in charge of it. And that's the problem for me. There's no clear direction. And I don't think the Sam Darnold trade sends them on a clear path. You were able to break down kind of what Darnold was in New York and, and project to what he could be for the Carolina Panthers. So when you went back and, and you looked at that whole situation, because a lot of people are arguing, hey, you know, Adam Gase was a terrible head coach for him. The offensive line wasn't great. His passing weapons around him, they didn't allow him to progress. How much percentage would you say you would put on Darnold not progressing because of himself or maybe the product of his environment? I think there is a way where you could isolate Darnold's play from what Adam Gase was. And my thing is that up until like, what, a year and a half ago, Adam Gase didn't have this reputation as a QB killer or as this the worst coach of all time, the worst offensive mind of all time. Like he had a decent reputation. He got a decent season or even a good season out of Jay Cutler. Up until that point, he got the best season out of Ryan Tannehill and Tannehill had been with other coaches before him. Like, I, I don't know why he gets blamed for Ryan Tannehill's lack of progress when really, I think it was an injury thing more so than anything else. And obviously I don't think it really counts, but he did the work with Peyton Manning. I don't know if he was actually calling plays or just suggesting plays to Peyton Manning. I think he was just holding the laminated sheet, to be honest with you. Right. Like there is nothing actually on there. It's like a Denny's. <laughs> You're right. he, was just, he was just mouthing things. It's it's just like a like a deli lunch menu for what he's gonna get after the game. But yeah, so I like now he has the only reason he has this reputation is because Sam Darnold was so bad. And Sam the way Sam Darnold was bad in New York under Gase was the same way he was bad under Jerry Bates. It's the same way he was bad at USC. And it was the same reason why people had questions about him going into the draft. So the only thing I can really put on Gase, I guess, is the lack of develop development. But we weren't were, like, how can we be sure that development was ever going to happen in the first place? Just because Darnold was a third overall pick. Like we've seen right. those guys fail before. So with Darnold in hand and the Panthers still sitting there at eight, the, who takes QB four, who takes QB five discourse has largely moved away from the Panthers pick. We asked, you know, the lions with Jeff Risden earlier on the show. I'm sure we'll ask the Broncos when we get there tomorrow. Do you think the Panthers are at all still playing for quarterback at eight? Even if it's just a sliver of a chance. Oh, if, if our guy falls, Justin Fields, Trey Lance, whoever it is, then maybe we'll think about it. And, you know, we'll have two guys in the building, at least maybe three. I know they pick up the fifth year option on Donald, but I, I, to me, it doesn't feel like they should be all the way out on quarterback if it falls to them at eight. And I feel like that's why some people were frustrated that this trade happened now, as opposed to on draft day. And maybe they knew more about the quarterback market. So for you is QB fully off the board, or do you think there's still a chance they go that way? I think there's two answers. It's what they should be thinking and what they are thinking. I think they should be thinking if a quarterback falls to us, we should absolutely take them because I think you you have to earn the right to draft for need in this league. Like you have to be in a position where you're one or two pieces away. But if you're a team like the Panthers who are really just treading water in, in 
the middle of the league or maybe even the bottom of the league, your goal should just be let's collect good players if if that quarterback isn't available. But if that quarterback is available, I think you have to take because you have to throw as many darts at the dartboard as you can with this mm-hmm. position because it's the key. Like we've seen this in recent history. Your Super Bowl window only stays open as it's as good as your quarterback is. Like we've seen the Jaguars sure. fall off yeah. in a year because Blake Bortles was not a good quarterback. We saw the Bears fall off from con- out of contention in a year because Mitchell Trubisky was not good. So I think that has to be the priority. But if you can't get a quarterback there, then I think you trade back. Personally, that's what I would do. Or you take, if one of these blue chip prospects at another position is there, then you take them. But as for what the Panthers are going to do, I think the fact that they picked up his fifth-year option so soon shows that they want to show Darnold that he is their their guy. Right. In the same way as like the Jaguars overpaying Nick Foles on purpose to show the locker room he was their guy. I think the timing makes me think that they're not thinking quarterback anymore. It's yeah. like they should have waited till after the draft to see if anyone fell. Now it seems like they're not even interested if those quarterbacks do fall. Yeah, they clearly had to be re- really in on Darnold, at least his potential. Like I- I've seen before, I think Daniel Jeremiah said this, where it's like, oh, Sam Darnold would be like QB3 for me. And I, yeah. I guess that that's how the Panthers viewed Sam Darnold. Like, we can't exactly wait on him because if we do, then somebody else is going to snatch him up and and we think that these quarterbacks are lower than him anyway. So that was clearly where they were coming from, I guess. And if, if you look at the Bridgewater situation, I suppose they're thinking, hey, if we can trade off Teddy, which is kind of an if, what you might be able to get back for him, if they get back enough, then it's almost a wash. I mean, it's almost, they're not going to get a second round pick, but like the later picks, perhaps they can get a wash for it and just say, Hey, it was a second round pick. We're taking a flyer on this guy. It doesn't force us to take a quarterback. You mentioned trading back there. So I'm curious because this is a team that invested every single one of their draft picks last year on the defensive side of the football. And I thought they were fine. Clearly, it was it was a group of young guys who were still growing and you're going to continue to play those players. But on the offensive side of the ball, now that Darnold is there, look around him. Think about the offensive line, the guys that they have there. You know, they got projected Greg Little at left tackle, Dennis Daly at left guard, Matt Paradis is still at center, Pat Elfline, who they signed, is probably going to play right guard for him, and then Taylor Moten, obviously, on the right side. You also have the offensive weapons of DJ Moore and Robbie Anderson. There's no more Curtis Samuel. I'm curious just to what you think on that offensive side of the ball. If they were to pick at eight, and it's not a quarterback, or if they were to trade back a couple of spots, who are some posi- or what are some positions that you would target as really the bigger, best player available options for them? Like in a vacuum, I still think cornerback is a, a need, but I'm not too high on this cornerback group. So I don't think I would pick any of those guys at eight. I, the only way I would consider a cornerback in the first round is if they did trade back. But offensive line, like you started off pretty low with Greg Little at left tackle. I think that's the position that you have to fill because you haven't had a left tackle since Jordan Gross retired. Right. I think that was back in 2013. When it, uh, when it comes to the defensive side of the ball, they obviously were a full defense draft in 2020, which was like bananas. People don't do this, and they came out, and it was, we're just going to invest in this side of the ball. And then their defense is uh, okay, meh, middle at best. It was you know fine. What I mean? you, you, yeah. A bunch of young dudes, and it was fine. They're trying to figure out a three-safety structure and everything like that. So, okay. Panthers defense, full of young guys. Maybe they add one or two. You said corner might be a, a position they add early. Do you think that that early investment in defense, that big investment in defense, precludes them 
from being heavy on defense, like they're forced to go heavy on offense in this draft, or is that offensive, or do you think there's going to be balance? That offensive unit is clearly still ahead. So they're going to continue to pour resources in on the defense because, you know, we see this happening in, in Las Vegas, right? With the Raiders where they're, they're looking at all the money they're spending on offense and all the picks and like, Oh shoot, we got to go to defense. And there's a big pendulum swing the other way. Do you think that pendulum swings or do you think it's going to stay balanced? It's hard to say just because I don't know this new GM enough. I'm hoping that it doesn't cause a pendulum swing because I think that's bad process, as you kind of alluded to, like right. going all in on on one side of the ball just because you think you have to. Just, just take the best player, especially when you're in the position the Panthers are. Like I said earlier, you you haven't earned the right to draft for need, really. Like you should just be collecting good players because you don't have enough of them, especially – on the defensive side of the ball, like you can't look at this roster and go, well, yeah, we did our, we did our work. Like we're done there. Time to focus on the offense. Like the defense at its best, it's, it's met. It's okay. But at its worst, it's still one of the worst defenses in the league. I think you need to collect pieces. You need to make that secondary a lot better. Obviously the defensive line seems to be in a good spot. They spent a top 10 pick on it last year. They got Ryan Burns the year before. Mm -hmm. I really think you have to fix this secondary. If this team is ever going to be a playoff caliber team, the offense, it's just for me, offensive line. Like I don't care. I think the weapons are good enough. And then obviously the quarterback position is always looming. Right. Right. You mentioned trading back and I'm curious before we kind of put you on the clock here, have you make a pick at eight? Are there like, is there a, a point to where you would say, okay, I'm not trading beyond this uh, you know it, it depends like you know on what you're getting back in return but even if you were getting exactly what you want is like 25 too far like are you not like are you would you not want to get past pick 20 pick 15 are you talking like a big trade back or a small trade back uh no there's not really a limit to how far i would trade back if okay. i were them right. i'm of the opinion that like i i i think the panthers gm actually said that like once you get to a certain point like 20th like the guy, the, the, there's not a big margin between the 20th ranked prospect and the 40th ranked prospect. And like the stat nerds have kind of, have kind of alluded to this, like you NFL teams are so confident in their ability to discern like the top right, exactly. guy at a position, but between him and the second guy at a position. And I just don't think any team has that capability. I don't think anybody does. That makes sense. Yeah, and Fitter has got the Seattle background to him as well, you know, and so it's like they're one of their strengths as a team was the recognition of like, hey, we're nobody's good enough at this to be staying and making picks and kind of no yeah. nobody's good enough to be a first round pick for us, so we're going to move out of it. It's more so like nobody's good enough in the league at figuring out who the first round picks right. actually are. Right, so we're just going to make a bunch of of day two picks instead. So I hear you. Uh, Joe Brady, Matt Rule confidence levels going into 2021. No, two, one. What season is this? 2021. Uh, this this whole thing is built around these guys, these long contracts, being able to build an offense out of these players. Do we like that or are we a little shaky yet? Oh, Matt Rule, I am very shaky. I, I've been shaky just because building a program at the college level is very different than building it at the NFL level. It just requires different strengths as as a coach. So I've always been very shaky and he hasn't done anything that has given me more confidence. I don't have any reason to believe he's a bad coach at this point though. So I will say that I'm just not overly optimistic. Joe Brady, I think is good. I thought he did a good job of getting the most out of the players they had. Like that was a big thing for me. Was he going to, 
they had very different types of receivers. They had Curtis Samuel, they had DJ Moore, they had Robbie Anderson. Those are three different types of receivers. And I thought he did a great right. job of utilizing all of them. And that gives me hope. The only problem is if Sam Darnold is, does look decent next year, Joe Brady is gone. And right. Yeah. Then where are the Panthers? Yeah, it's a, it's a pretty big catch-22 with, with Joe Brady and with Sam Darnold because you obviously want him to help them fix Darnold, and if they do, he's gone no matter what. So, it's uh, yeah, his his timetable might be, uh, or his hourglass might be running out of sand here depending on how well he does, especially if they, uh, they, they expect him to do pretty well as an offense coordinator. So let's put you on the clock at number eight. No tradebacks, so you are on the board here at number eight. With these guys off the board, we got Lawrence, Wilson, Fields, Lance, Chase, Pitts, and Waddle. Those guys are gone, and if that's the case, who are you picking for the Panthers at number eight? I'm going to take Alabama court. No, I'm just playing. I'm not taking back that. <laughs> uh, I'll go with Panay Sewell. Like, why is he still on the board? He's the, Like I've said a couple times, like they don't have the right to pick for need, and even though left tackle is a need, like pick pick the best player available sure. and i think he's the best player available if if this is the draft board at the time yeah no i, I I'm, I'm with you i think that left tackle and we i i can get this whispers from the guys who are also covering the team who work for the team it just seems like o-line is where they're gonna go with this one so ben penny Sewell still on the board up to number eight this has got to be the pick right yeah i i think so it's interesting because i think that the league has had this whole, like, maybe Slater's OT1 forever. And even to this point, like, Traeger for NFL Network just put on a mock where Slater was, I think, the first tackle off the board. And so I'm, I'm curious. Like, to me, it's Penny Sewell, and it should be Penny Sewell. And I would expect also the Panthers, given what they've liked in the past, to like Sewell, but it is a kind of a new uh, regime. But, yeah, Penny Sewell is best player available, position of need, premium position. This is nice and easy. And I think Daniel Jeremiah's mock, latest mock, had Slater going ahead of him. I really think it's one of those things where you just get bored of talking to talking about a right, prospect. And, and right. Sewell's been hyped up for two years. And then he didn't play right. last year, which contributes to it. But I know then you put he, the film on, you watch a move at 3 30, and you're like, oh, okay. He's like, right. he's, like, he's like 18, 19 years old. And didn't he show up to Oregon at like 370 or something crazy? You know, and he had to lose all that weight just to get to, to 350. And now he's at like 330. And. Dude's been transforming for the last two years, and we're watching a player evolve. And I think that I'm totally with you, Steven. I think that we're nitpicking him at this point. And it's a it's a dense 330. It's a powerful 330 that can move. Yeah. And it, like, he's a special athlete. I really think you have to hone in on traits. And he has special traits, like generational yeah. <laughs> movement skills. What I don't even know what's making the difference now. Is it the arm length? I. I think it's there's that there's the whole maturity thing where people are like, oh, maybe he's not ready for the league. It's like, yeah, he's 19. He can't right. drink yeah. yet. I, <laughs> yeah, I, I wasn't ready for the league yeah. either. So trade back, draft traits. I don't care. Just get good players. Listen, back. stop being an idiot. Right. That's look, sometimes that's the best way to do it is you stop overthinking. You stop nitpicking these guys. You stop doing like, oh, the, you know, the arm length is a fourth of an inch lower than it should be. So I'm not going to pick this generational freak mover at 330. No, do it. Just pick him. Get right. back to what you look. See a good football player. And then pick that good football player. That's what the <laughs> draft needs to be about. If you don't have confidence you can get a good football player out of Sewell, right. then I question you as a coaching staff. 
Hundred percent right. Hundred percent right. I thought the same thing with Lamar Jackson. Like, don't overthink it, Lamar Jackson. Like, you could watch, you could see it. Like, it jumps off the screen. Like, he mm-hmm. is different. Draft him. He's a good football player. All right. So, uh, Stephen saying that uh, Penny Sewell is going to win MVP for the uh, Carolina Panthers. You heard it here first. Stephen does incredible work over at For the Win. Follow him on Twitter at the Stephen Ruiz. He's got the the in his Twitter handle, so you know he's got to make sure that he is authentic. Stephen, thank you so much for giving us a couple of minutes of your day talking about the Carolina Panthers with us. Thanks for having me. First eight picks in the books for our guest mock draft series. Before we get out of here, i got to remind you guys about the best tasting protein bars on the planet. That's the folks over at BuiltBar.com. They've got 18 incredible flavors, and these protein bars, not only do they taste great, they're great for your diet as well. They're low in calories, low in sugar, high in protein, high in fiber. Man, head over to their website. I guarantee you're going to find a protein bar that you absolutely love, and once you do, you're never going to order another protein bar. Go to BuiltBar.com. Use the promo code LOCKED15. That's LOCKED. And then one five, get 15% off your next total order. Use promo code LOCK15, get 15% off over at BuiltBar.com. Next episode, got picks 9 and 10. Rounding out the top 10 of this guest mock draft series. Until then, you guys keep it locked right here on Locked On NFL Draft.